welcome back to the Let's Call It Nothing podcast, where we discuss all things fangirl. We are back today with more of A Court in Mist and Fury by Sarah J. Mass. Mass. M-A-A-S. It's very confusing on how you're supposed to say it for us uh, people that are only used to names like Johnson. What happened last time? You know, it's funny you ask. Okay, so uh, they had gotten into an argument. Uh, Reese and Feyre had gotten into an argument. And Starfall is about to happen. Feyre keeps writing him notes, and he doesn't respond to them. There's this big holiday that she knows nothing about that's about to happen real soon. Here we go! Yeah! Chapter 44. On the night of Starfall, Feyre donned a beautiful gown. The sleeves were long and the neckline high, but the silhouette was tight-fitted. Hundreds of blue gems came together resembling starlight. Feyre's hair had been pulled from her face with silver and diamond combs. She looked like a fallen star. Peyton wanted me to describe the dress, and I was like, why do I always have to do this? I'm not good at describing things. But then you said it looked like my prom dress, which I'm like, no, this doesn't. I just imagined it. I didn't say it looked like it. I said I imagined it looking like I need to get out my prom dress and do a yeah. little photo shoot. I, I, I nearly, have a mask too, but that doesn't yeah. go with this. Yeah. <laughs> I nearly cried when uh, I saw you walk down my hallway in that dress. Cassian came to pick her up for the party. Once they arrived, Moore greeted them, saying Feyre better be glad that Amran wasn't there because she would probably still dress right off of her. Amran loves fine things. She likes shiny things. She likes shiny I don't think it's fine. I think it's just shiny. I'm shiny. That's that's Amron. Oh, oh but what, you know what we didn't mention was what Amron's house looked like or apartment looked like. Uh-huh. Like Farrah was imagining like this really fine like manor or some bullshit, and then it's like a tiny one bedroom apartment with like clothes and fine jewelry just everywhere. See, I just pictured that more than with Amron than the other. I like, did too. But Farrah thought, well, it would be a nicer home. And then Aaron's like, no, why would I want that? Like, no, she's like a pack rat with jewels. Yeah. She just likes shiny things. She's a niffler. Moore and Farrah started discussing Moore and Cassian's relationship and how there were no romantic feelings towards each other. Reminder that Farrah had just learned about Moore losing her virginity to Cassian through, like, she, like she wanted to do that. All of that situation. So Farrah was curious and she likes getting in everybody else's business. Yes, yeah, she does. She's a gossip. We know she is. Yeah. Moore told Farrah... Cassian just wants what he can't have. Yep. He's not the only man in this place who, who does that, I gotta say. Then Reese approached, interrupting with his gaze on Feyre. He said, she looked like a woman again. <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but Moore said. Moore remarked that he sure knew how to compliment females. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love their banter. Feyre asked if he was done ignoring her because he wasn't responding to her notes. Dude. He told her he wasn't ignoring her. He just needed time. I was like, damn. I say that's annoying, but honestly, same. Yeah. Feyre decided that she didn't want to have this conversation in public. Instead, she inquired about Starfall. Reese just gestured to the night sky. Where a million bright little things are shining and shooting across the sky. Stars. Yeah. <laughs> stars. Kind of like I'm guessing it kind of looks like a meteor shower. Yeah. But there's like tons of them. Uh, by the way, the song for this chapter is Cosmic Love by Florence and Michelle. Oh, yes. Definitely. We were singing that this morning. Yep. 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 We yes, I heard you. Going on. I sure hope you heard us. Yeah. Reese wanted a better view of the event. 
from the book. Reese led me to a small private balcony jutting from the upper level of the House of Wind. On the patios below, the music still played, the people still danced, the stars wheeling by close and swift. He let go as I took a seat on the balcony rail. I immediately decided against it as I beheld the backdrop and backed away a healthy step. Reese chuckled. If you fell, you know, I'd bother to save you before you hit the ground. But not until I was close to death, right? Maybe. I leaned a hand against the rail, peering at the stars whizzing past. As punishment for what I said to you, I said some horrible things, too. I didn't mean it, I blurted. I meant it more about myself than you. I'm sorry. He watched the stars for a moment before he replied. You were right, though. I stayed away because you were right. Though I'm glad to hear my absence felt like a punishment. I snorted but was grateful for the humor, for the way he'd always been able to amuse me. Any news with the orb or the queens? Nothing yet. We're waiting for them to deign to reply. Basically, they got this orb from the Court of Nightmares um, because the queens want to see something good from the Fae and Reese in particular in order to get their part of the book. That was the deal that they made. So Reese was like, I'll show them Valeris, but I'm going to show them using this orb. So that's what all that's about. So any news on the orb of the queens? Nothing yet. We're waiting for them to deign a reply. We were silent again as I studied the stars. They're not, they're not stars at all. No, Reese came up beside me on the rail. Our ancestors thought they were, but they're just spirits on the yearly migration to somewhere. Why they picked this day to appear here, no one knows. I felt his eyes on me and tore my gaze from the shooting stars. Light and shadow passed over his face. The cheers and the music of the city far, far below were barely audible over the crowded over the crowd gathered at the house. Fair said it looked like there were hundreds of them. Reese corrected, saying, no, thousands. Reese told her Starfall should last until dawn, or at least he hoped, considering that there seemed to be less and less every year. He hadn't seen Starfall in 50 years thanks to his time spent with Amarantha under the mountain. Reese explained that every year on the night of Starfall, Amarantha would make him do the nasty with her for the whole night because she knew how important the holiday was to him. When Feyre commented how awful that was, Reese said it was okay because he knew his friends and Belarus were safe. Feyre then motioned to the people below them. She asked why he wasn't celebrating with them. Reese told her that they didn't know what Amarantha did. They were suggested letting them help shoulder the burden. Kind of like what we talked about before and what she went off on him about. Like, mm-hmm. do people even know you and what you've been through? Yeah. They were decided to reach out and stroke his hand. You wrote it like that. I did. I was I giggling this morning. <laughs> I thought you would. That's why I wrote it like that. I know. When Farrah looked up at him, a bright light came crashing towards her face. He reeled away from it, and then it splattered all over her face. Reese started laughing. Actually laughing. Hysterically, even. She went to wipe it away and realized it was the glowing star, or spirit, matter. Spirit, making it kind of more gross. Yeah. <laughs> she tried to wipe it off more, but Reese told her not to. It looked like her freckles were glowing. That's so cute. It is cute. When she went to shove him, he stepped out of her way, only to be hit in the side of the face with one of these stars. There's an animation of this. I need to find it. But someone created this scene as an animation, and it's so cute. I need to find it right after we record all this. 
He wiped some of it away and examined his palms. Vera stepped closer and held his hand with her own. She started painting with the glowing light, making one of the stars that had burst on him. He closed his hand around hers and she smiled at him. Reese's smile faded as his lips parted and he told her to smile again. Hello! Vera realized she had never smiled or even laughed around him. She gave him what he asked for, and he told her she was exquisite. Okay, so you remember why he got jealous about Tarquin was because she smiled smiled at him. (laughs) And then she realized she'd never smiled around him, and so that's why he was so pissed off, was because she never smiled at him. Also, I don't remember exactly, but I feel like something, either in her thoughts or maybe in their dialogue, I don't think so, but about her, like, painting again in that moment, Mm -hmm. I felt like something about that was mentioned. I don't know if you've noticed, but she's mentioned painting two times. Yeah. One is of him, and then this one she is painting on him. Mm -hmm. And, like, they kind of look at each other, and I think that's... Reese is happy because he realized that's what she did. Vera reminded him that he still owed her two thoughts from whenever she had first arrived. Reese told her that he didn't show up before because he thought she would throw him on his ass and thought hiding was a better option. Vera said, Who would think the High Lord of the Night Court could be afraid of an illiterate human? Vera asked for another thought. Reese revealed he regretted kissing her under the mountain. Yeah, do y'all remember that? Remember that? Kissing her, smearing that paint around a little bit more. There was reason then. You can go back and listen. Vera thought about it for a moment and asked, why? Reese said, because I didn't make it pleasant for you. I was jealous and pissed off, and I knew you hated me. Vera thought this was dangerous territory, but realized he was given her total honesty. Honesty and trust, which she never had with anyone. Yep. Yep. Ava, yep. Mr. Tam Bam. Tampon. <sighs> Vera asked if Reese wanted to dance. Reese stood shocked, asking if she wanted to. <laughs> she told him she wanted to go dance with him and the others below. Of course I'll dance with you, Reese said, his voice still raw. All night, if you wish. Even if I step on your toes? Even then. He leaned in, brushing his mouth against my heated cheek. I closed my eyes at the whisper of a kiss, at the hunger that ravaged me and its wake. At my ravaged Prithian. And all around us, as if the world itself were indeed falling apart, stars rained down. Bits of stardust glowed in his lips as he pulled away. As I stared at him breathless while he smiled. The smile the world would likely never see. The smile he'd given up for the sake of his people, his lands. He said softly, I am very glad I met you, Feyre. I blinked away the burning in my eyes. Come on, I said, tugging on his hand. Let's go join the dance. Did you hear me reading it? He's like, oh. No. I... Aren't I obnoxious whenever I actually like something? <laughs> so nice. I like how he's, like, I don't know if he was actually going to say, very glad I met you, Farah. I think he was going to say something else. What's he start saying? He says, I am What very, would he say? I am in love with you, Farah. <laughs> I love this whole scene. It's spectacular, groundbreaking, fantastic. Cosmic love is playing as they're watching the stars fall. Amazing, yeah, fantastic, we love star. it. Are we dramatic? Absolutely. Is this amazing? Absolutely. Fight me! Love Ch- it. Ch- 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 chapter 45. Reese and Farrah danced with their friends and together. 
When the party was winding down and everyone was leaving, they slow danced in each other's arms until sunrise. Then Reese flew her to her room, kissed her on the brow, before turning and walking away. Farah, doing what Farah does best in the situation, waited up for a little while, hoping he would appear at her door. She does this every time. Have you noticed that? Waits up for him? No. Like, when she's like, man, I want to get some. She don't just do it. She just leaves the door open and is just sitting on her bed waiting on them to show up. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She did it with Tamlin. When they all went to breakfast a few hours later, Moore and Cassian were unusually quiet. They are hung over. Unfortunately for, uh, luckily for them, they don't have to talk and do a podcast while they're hungover. Must be nice. You too. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah, that was your choice. I'm not even hungover. I'm just joking. Vera tried not to think about Reese and the way he touched her last night. She felt like a traitor. It had barely been two months since she left Tamlin. Vera, along with the Bat Boys and more, went to an Illyrian camp. Once they arrived, an older man approached them and addressed Reese, saying Cassian had already inspected them and the Illyrian girls had been training as instructed. Cassian said he didn't see them in the ring. The man told him they were doing their chores right now and would train after. Moore snarled and greeted him, saying, Hello, Lord Devlin. Farah realized this was the leader of the war camp. Lord Devlin just turned back to Reese at that. Reese told Lord Devlin the girls were to train before chores like he had been told to do earlier. The biggest thing is like the girls. Yes. Reese wants the girls to have the same opportunity (laughs) as the boys not be treated how they've always been. Yeah. Uh, Reese also wanted him to get his mother's home prepared for them because they would be staying in the camper. Devlin said his top warriors were staying there. Reese told him that they were to move out and clean up the place before they did so. Devlin looked at Farah and asked why they had brought another creature. He thought Amran was the only one of her kind. Reese told him that Amran was the only one of her kind and that Farah was his. He's like, she's mine. See, Tamlin gets possessive and I'm like, ew, no. And then Reese says, I'm like, like, yes! yes." The Doppler versus Dahmer thing from How I Met Your Mother. It's like, if it's a creepy person, or if you're not into them, it's creepy. If you are into them, it's romantic. Reese warned Devlin if he were to lay a hand on her his hand would be broken and he would lose his head. And once Farah was done killing him, Reese would grind his bones into dust. I really like this because he doesn't say that he would kill him. Yes, I love that. He's like, oh, you would die. You would be beheaded. And then I would do yeah, this I, after she got done with you. I love whenever it's like that moment where you think he's talking about like himself and mm-hmm. then you realize like, oh, like, no, he believes that she will take him out first. Mm-hmm. When Devlin and his cronies left, Reese turned to Moore and Cassian, saying him and Pharaoh were leaving. He begged Cassian and Moore to behave because out of all the war camp lords, Devlin was the one who hated them the least. Reese would have hate to have to find another. Farah couldn't imagine how terrible the others were if Devlin was the mildest. Because <laughs> he's pretty f***ing awful. Yeah. Um, Farah asked where they were going and Reese told her to train. She could hear two words in her head in between the echo of the word traitor. She's mine. As they flew to the training grounds, Farah asked about the Illyrian t- girls' training. 
Reese told her he was trying to get to be get to be a normal practice, but it'd been an uphill battle. She had already banned he had already banned the wing clipping centuries ago. They started taking up the practice again while he was under the mountain. He told her Devlin was the mildest one because he allowed things like girls the girls training with less of an uproar than the rest. Farrah kind of disagreed with this, but she let it go. He told her that Devlin let a half-breed and two bastards go on the blood rite, which is unheard of. Okay, so the blood rite is like the Hunger Games. Yeah. <laughs> like Illyrian warriors, like coming of age. Normally, it would not have been Reese, uh, Asriel, and Cassian would not have been allowed to go, but he let them go. He made sure they were separated so that they couldn't join forces. Yes. And it's kind of like the Hunger Games in the sense of, like, one person is supposed to win it. Yeah. But I'm saying this because we see a lot more about it in Silver Flames, and y'all haven't read that one. Uh Uh-huh. And there's a lot more about it. Yeah. Like, they're kind of known as, like, really badass for Mm -hmm. winning this, working together in order to win it. To win it. That has to do with part of their fame. But basically, they had to, like... Or left all by yourself and dropped off in a certain place and you only have the clothes off your back and you basically have to kill your way through the mountain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they make their way to each other. And that's all I can say. Okay, they reached the area to train. Vera didn't feel up to it, so she asked Reese how he had met Tamlin. <laughs> I mean, that's a f***ing question. <laughs> she is so good. <laughs> Nothing is ever, like, casual with her. She's just like, that was your trauma. <laughs> So, how did you and my ex meet? <laughs> that guy that locked me up, and you hate him. I was and literally like, like minutes away from marrying him. Yeah, him. Yeah. Um, um, and now I kind of like you. So, what's y'all's relationship like yeah. <laughs> before I me? know you, like, killed his family or something, but, like, how'd y'all meet? Were you ever buds? Yeah. What happened there? Was it over a girl? Was it? Was it over me? Reese told her that if she wanted him to answer, that she would have to show him some of her magic. She created a butterfly of water, making it flap its wings. Reese told her that Tamlin wasn't born at the beginning of the war. When Tamlin got older, Reese realized he was a decent person for a High Lord's son. I think Reese thinks of himself. <laughs> oh, he hates himself. Didn't you know? That's why he's always brooding. He's most emo High Lord. Okay, anyway, he knew that Tamlin had a lot of adversity with his terrible brothers. Reese had befriended him for that reason. He even taught him some Illyrian, Illyrian fighting tricks. One day, Reese was going to meet his mother and his sister at a, one of the war camps, but he grew busy with other things. Tamlin's father got word from Tamlin about the plans. Tamlin's father murdered Reese's mother and sister and kept their wings as trophies. Gross. Disgusting. Why? Terrible. Alright, so keep in mind. Basically, this, I mean, it fits so much into Tamlin's personality that he would do absolutely f*** all to help save his friend's family. They were friends. They were buddies. Reese told Farah he had lied to her under the mountain when she said, when he said his father killed Tamlin's family. Reese had been there too. As his father killed Tamlin's father, Reese had been the one killing Tamlin's brothers. Reese made his father swear not to kill Tamlin's mother. By the time Reese had reached his father, he had already betrayed that. Reese's father wanted to kill Tamlin next, but Reese fought him on it. 
Talon opened the door and smelled the blood, realizing what had happened. He killed Reese's father in a single blow. That night, Talon and Reese both became high lords of their court. I like... There's a minute where they just kind of like stare at each other and do nothing because that's what Tamlin's good at. Uh-huh. And then Reese runs away. I also want to know what their first meeting right after that was like. Uh, who but knows? They go to like a High Lord meeting like a couple weeks later and they're like. Farrah was in shock realizing that Tamlin had killed Reese's family, which is not true, but it's definitely true. Like he's the reason that Reese's family mm-hmm. died. She asked Reese why he never told her before. He stated that he didn't want her to think he was trying to turn her against Tamlin. Farrah thought of painting Reese as her protector. She envisioned it, painting like she hadn't done in months. She told him, I want to paint you. He said, nude would be best. Had to really ruin the moment like that. I know. It's just bringing in some lightheartedness after telling this tragic story. She's like, I want to paint you. And he's like, and like... It's like a flip switches, and he's like, yeah. nude would be best. <laughs> like, I just told you about my family being murdered because of your ex-fiance. Oh, the trauma. Chapter 46. They settled in Teresa's mom's house. At this point, Vera had come to terms with what she wanted. She considered seducing Reese. Meanwhile, the thrones of traitors still echoed in her head. The next day, Reese and Vera went to train. Reese kept her at a distance today during their training, and suddenly arrows flew towards Vera. Two Centennials and Lucian appeared. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. Lucian, what you doing? Chapter 47. Lucian insisted they needed to get out of there and go home. Bear asked how he had found her. Lucian said someone had tipped them off, but they had to leave now. Tamlin hadn't been the same since she had left. Lucian said, let's go home. Farrah said that had stopped being in her home the day Lucian had allowed Tamlin to lock her up. Lucian was trying to step closer so he could winnow Farrah farther away from Reese, and Farrah knew what he was trying to do. Lucian said he needed her home and tried to grab for her. Farrah winnowed behind two of the Centennials, and Reese showed up at that time. Reese told him that when a woman says no, she means it. Lucian called Reese a filthy, whoring prick, and Farrah growled at him. Lucian asked in horror what she had done. Farrah told him not to come looking for her. Lucian told her Tamla would never stop looking for her or, or waiting for her to, to return. All right, quoted from the book. The words hit me in the gut like they were meant to. It must have shown in my face because Lucian pressed. What did he do to you? Did he take your mind and enough, Reese said, angling his head with that casual grace. Farrah and I are busy. Go back to your lands before I send your heads as a reminder to my old friend about what happens when spring court flunky set foot in my territory. The freezing rain slid down the neck of my clothes, down my back. Lucian's face was deathly pale. You made your point, Farrah. Now come home. I'm not a child playing games, I said through my teeth. That's how they'd seen me, in need of coddling, explaining, defending. Careful, Lucian, Reeson drawled. Our Farrah darling will send you back in pieces, too. We are not your enemies, Farrah, Lucian pleaded. Things got bad. Ianthe got out of hand, but it doesn't mean you give up. You gave up, I breathe. I felt even Reese go still. You gave up on me, I said a bit more loudly. You were my friend, and you picked him, picked obeying him, even when you saw what his orders and his rules did to me, even when you saw me wasting away day by day. You have no idea how volatile those first few months were, Lucian snapped. We needed to present a unified, obedient front, and I was supposed to be the example to which all others in our court were held. You saw what was happening to me, but you were too afraid of him to truly do anything about it. It was fear. Lucian had pushed Hamlin, but to a point, he'd always yielded at the end. 
I begged you, I said, the words sharp and breathless. I begged you so many times to help me, to get me out of the house, even for an hour, and you left me alone or shoved me into a room with Ianthe or told me to stick it out. Lucian said to you quietly, and I suppose the night court is so much better. I remembered, remembered what I was supposed to know, to have experienced, what Lucian and the others could never know, not even if it meant forfeiting my own life. And I would, to keep Valeris safe, to keep Moore and Amaranth and Cassian and Azriel and... Reese safe. I said to Lucian, low and quiet and as vicious as the talons that formed at the tips of my fingers, as vicious as the wondrous weight between my shoulder blades. When you spend so long trapped in darkness, Lucian, you find that the darkness begins to stare back. A pulse of surprise, of wicked delight against my mental shields at the dark, membranous wings I knew were now poking over my shoulders. Every icy kiss of rain sent jolts of cold through me. Sensitive, so sensitive, these Illyrian wings. Lucian backed up a step. What did you do to yourself? I gave him a little smile. A human girl you knew died under the mountain. I have no interest in spending immortality as a high lord's pet. Lucian started shaking his head. Feyre, tell Tamlin, I said, choking on his name, on the thought of what he'd done to Reese to his family. If he sends anyone else into these lands, I will hunt each and every one of you down, and I will demonstrate exactly what the darkness taught me. Too much. It's a lot, but it really shows... Lucian and how hurt Feyre is by him doing nothing. absolutely nothing for her. And how he's like, but, 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 but. I'm like, nah, bro, you messed up. You mm-hmm. messed up. And also, like, it's fresh because Feyre just learned all this from Reese about Tamlin. Mm-hmm. So she's like, uh-uh, I'm not dealing with you right now. Lucian looked pained from her words, but Feyre couldn't fight it in herself to care. She imagined her life stuck in the spring court, still broken until the point where she grew numb and directed her pain to others. Lucian gave Reese one final warning before leaving with his centennials. Feyre realized she had grown a pair of wings on her shoulders during that encounter, and Reese ran a finger down her wings. They were sensitive, just as he said. She told him they must have been a result of her shape-shifting abilities. She considered Reese standing there, defending her, now dressed back in his Illyrian leathers. She stopped herself, remembering that Reese wasn't hurt anything. She found it almost strange how she didn't feel much from there from the encounter. Not bad about leaving Tamlin, not awful about treating Lucian that way. She didn't feel guilty about wanting Reese. Reese said he knew things were bad during her time at the Spring Court, but he thought Lucian would have stepped in. Feyre said in a very quiet voice that she did too. He told her she looked good with wings and kissed her on the brow. I like how he keeps kissing her on the brow. Reese being like, I thought Lucian would have done something. I mean, because you kind of expect him to. Yeah, like, I thought he, Reese thinks surely someone was looking out for her. Mm-hmm. Surely someone. But no, 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 no. Meanwhile, she's like, I don't even feel bad anymore for wanting Reese because I'm through with this mess. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm moving on. I'm dealing. I'm good. Also, Reese's outfit changed. I really love. Yeah, his outfit changed before he uh come to see Lucian. Yeah. Oh, I got to be in uh, High Lord mode. And afterwards, he's like, "Okay, back to the leathers." What? Leathers. We talked about those earlier. Yeah. All right. That wraps up that part. So we were gonna discuss tropes. We need just some like waking up. No, I'm good now. We were thinking of discussing tropes. Tropity trope tropes. Tropity trope tropes. I mean, one day we're just going to do like romance tropes in general. I can tear rank those. Prince the lovers. Bottom. Bottom. Bottom tier. So as a person who also keeps reading them. <laughs> when you read as much romance as Caitlin does, you're going to get a few it in varies, there. You know? 
a few things that I think is very interesting. I hadn't read something like this. Caitlin is more used to the romance genre. I'm not. Well, I would say, like, first time I read this, uh-huh. which I hadn't picked up books in a while the first time I read this, so I wasn't as familiar with different tropes within the romance genre, but as of now, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. I've read other stuff with these two, but, like, this is the OG for me. Also, the, with the Akatar, which is... The, um, that was, that come out, like, what, 10 years ago? 2015-ish? 2014? <sighs> We're just gonna Google it. 2014? Something along those lines, so about eight years ago. And so, that's been a good chunk of time. It was released in May 2015. Anyway. We were graduating high school. <laughs> we were graduating high school when it came out. Farrah, in the first, in the first book, has a buddy that she has no uh, attachment to. Mm-hmm. I found that super interesting because, you know, usually it's not that sex positive or, you know. Um, I found it interesting in the context of it being a fantasy set book setting plot and with her being the main character who isn't like considered someone that stereotypically you would think would just be like sleeping with somebody yeah. casually. It's like, not it's not like introduced as slutty. Mm-hmm. She's not a virgin maiden type thing, Mm -hmm. which is very off for Mm -hmm. a fantasy book, but I dig it. But, like, and we've talked about whenever we were covering Aquator, like, why she did it. Mm -hmm. And it makes perfect sense, like, goes straight in line with her character. She Mm -hmm. was so focused on her family and doing everything she could for them. This was the one thing she could just, like, let loose and do for herself. Mm -hmm. The other thing is with, I mean, we talk about how in Sarah J. Mass books that it's always... The second book is has a different love interest than the first book. Like, you always go well, way off. Okay, out of the two series that I've read of hers, the um, final love interest is spoiling so many things. It's not the first one. The first one. <laughs> it's not the first one. Yeah, it's interesting, and I love it, and it's very real. Because mm-hmm. you think about in real life, there's people who have been in relationships, like, going to end up with the first person you're with your first love i mean if it is your first love that's great that you wound up with but that's not realistic Mm -hmm. and you can see through this how you grow Mm -hmm. from your first love and then like you have to deal with all the they give you yeah and then you get through that and then you know bond with your other person because of all the yeah and i kind of love that about like Ones that I've read, and I'm talking, I guess, strictly like Throne of Glass series and this series, because they're ones that I remember off the top of my head that have this trope, where, like, see the aftermath of ending a relationship. Yeah. And you see the main character going through the motions of that and the emotions of it, and then, like, discovering how to find someone else, and then, like, comparing, like the main character and you comparing the two, but also being like, well, they're just two completely different people for this person who has changed. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's not something you find in just like a one and done romance. Yeah. I love that. It goes along with my sec, my other point, which is people working through their. Yeah. Um, I don't see a lot of that. I feel like that is just something that is not done a whole lot. You know, it's just like, Oh, let me bury it deep, dark and, Mm -hmm not talk about it for the rest of the book but this entire book she's going through shit and she's 
dealing with it and Mm -hmm. the emotional process that goes along with that. I mean, she has people there who are, like, helping her through it, too. Mm -hmm. And she's willing to bear that to them. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I like it, too. It's good. All right. It's good. May character is not powerful, but slowly grows to power. I feel like that's pretty traditional, honestly. I think it's traditional. Yeah. Especially with how powerful Farah is becoming. Up. I kind of got over it in the series. I was just like, okay, what can she not do? Yeah. Like, if I'm being completely honest. But yeah, I mean... I just like how her biggest accomplishments were done as a human. Yeah, I like that. That's what I'm talking about. And then, like, this book is where she's learning her powers. She's not just already the most powerful at the beginning. Like, she kind of gets her powers and learns about them. All right, one that was heavily discussed before is the love triangle. Yeah, because I, like, Googled, like, Akutar tropes and someone on their blog a couple of years ago was talking about how they don't like love triangles and said that they love Akatar, but they don't like the love triangle in the series. And I was like, what books did you read? Yeah. This is not a love triangle. Not a love triangle. Reba, is this a love triangle? I no. mean, to be honest, if you think it is. No. Okay. It's not. A love triangle involves two people mm-hmm. at the same time. Yeah. Like, feelings, like... She's really not committed people. Yes. And so <laughs> this is a love V that turns into a line. <laughs> it's more like a timeline <laughs> where like all three characters are like there, but like she's with Tamlin in the first book. Reese is just like there, but like nothing's happening. And you don't know why. Yeah. He's acting the way he is. Yeah. And then, I mean, throughout a lot of this book, no, she's moving on from her feelings for Tamlin and moving on in the direction of Reese. Uh-huh. So, like, to me, it's not happening at the same time. So it's not a triangle. Yeah. Unlike, okay, think of other, like, popular love triangles within fiction. Okay, we're going to go with another Twilight. One. I, I don't think Twilight is really a love triangle. Do we disagree? I don't know. I've never really thought about it too hard. It's more of a love triangle in the movies than it is in the book. Because Bella and Edward are together. They are in a relationship. Bella would never leave Edward for Jacob. And Eclipse is like the big one where they're like, ooh, love triangle. She briefly considers Jacob as an option in this just hypothetical life. Yeah. Jacob is into her. I don't think he's in love with her, but he's into her. But... And she has feelings for him that are very caring and friendly. But I don't think she's ever in love with him. She ever considers leaving him. So that being a love triangle, I also think is a bunch of BS. Yeah. Okay, and uh, one that I've always, like, not me personally been on the fence on, but a lot of people is one y'all haven't read. The Infernal Devices by Cassandra Clare, say, like, one of the Shadowhunter series. That's a love triangle. It's one where I'm just like, why can't they all be together? Because they all do have a love for each other. The two guys, Will and Jim, like, grew up together. They are best buds. I think they're a pair of a tie or however you say it. I haven't read the books in a while. And Tessa comes into play. And, like, she gets feelings for both of them. Mm-hmm. And there are certain forces working against the relationships. And, like, we're kind of bouncing back and forth between, like, 
who we're closer to in each yeah. book. Like, that's a love triangle. This is not. See, I think where people get confused um, with with the Twilight mm-hmm. is that I think in the movies they kind of push the triangle a bit more. Well, yeah. Make it like yeah. I think there's one part where like Bella gets on Edward or on uh, Jacob's motorcycle mm-hmm. and leaves. Like they're friends. Yeah, she yeah, leaves Edward. Yeah, but like anything where there's three people, usually a girl and two guys, or a guy and two girls, people are like, "Oh, it's a love triangle," and I'm like, it's "But is it?" Hey, Vampire Diaries, maybe. <laughs> I don't remember much about it. That's another one. There's a bunch. Not Oh I got one. Speaking of her, that uh Daughters of Darkness that I was talking about yeah. earlier, that's a love triangle. because uh, Mary Lynette is had a crush on a guy named Jamie and then Ash comes in and it's an enemies to lovers, so she hates him but she really likes him at the same time and he likes her. Jamie likes her, so it's a triangle. My thing with love triangles, too, is that, like, rarely is there ever an even connection. Well, yeah, because this one kind of evens out because she's closer to Jamie. Like, she's liked him for so long, but then Ash is her soulmate. Yeah. But they hate each other. Like, that was always my thing with Twilight, where I'm like, clearly, like, her and Edward have more of something happening. Mm -hmm. Like know why we're arguing about this people i think just to have something to talk about but akotar holds zero love triangle in this context most people would think that the more as real cassian might be a love triangle yeah that's definitely and there are some others that come up later on where i'm like yes it could be could be a love triangle like that one would make sense <laughs> more so than the main character Really. I, other than that one, that one was interesting because one of them wound up being the bad guy. So love that. Yeah, that one of the other series that was popping up on the blog where I was like, now the love triangle that I was thinking about, and I was like, the next one is enemies to lovers. Love it. One of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Give it to me. And this is a literal enemies to lovers because Reese and Farah are enemies. Well, Reese is never Farah's enemy. Farah thinks that Reese is an enemy. For wait, wait, Farah is never Reese's enemy. No, no, no. She's part of the opposing court. Yeah, but Farah, yeah, Farah sees in there. Yeah, Farah sees him as an enemy. Yeah, enemies to lovers. I I probably could go on for a little bit. People use it very wrong, including Mm -hmm. authors. Yeah, I know because. It's one of my favorite tropes, so if it says it's in a book, I'll probably read it. Mm-hmm. But it lasts for a good chunk of the story. In this case, the first book, and then a lot of this one, Rakatar. Um, it is actual enemies, and not just like a strange miscommunication error, error, or like something or another. Like he gave me a dirty look, even though evidently he's in love with me. Blah blah blah. Like, yeah, that's not enemies to lovers. Some are, I'm like, that's rivals to lovers. Mm-hmm. Even like the hating game, which I reread a few months ago, I was like, this is more rivals to lovers than enemies to lovers. I know it's called the hating game, but like, yeah, because I'm like, he's been into her this whole time. I really 
are like enemies to lovers whenever they're like trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. That's fun. It's nice and toxic. This isn't it. quite as toxic. There's uh, one. It's um, part of a mafia romance series. They went in a f***ing mafia romance series. I don't series. love it, but the series is fun. But the first one, it is like opposing mafia families. Like one, she is from an Italian mafia family. Then he's like Irish. And um, they don't, the families don't really get along. Then like her and her brothers kind of break into his family's house. This ends up like stealing his watch and setting this room on fire. And then uh, to like solve things, because then like his people like bash her brother's leg and stuff. Like they're just going back and forth. Their families are like, you two have to get married. Mm-hmm. And so they have to get married and they end up like pulling pranks on each other before the wedding. Like, including making each other wear ridiculous stuff for the wedding and everything. But then she eats a bunch of strawberries before the ceremony. And he is highly, highly allergic to strawberries. <laughs> so she almost kills him. Oh, damn. Which I'm like, that's enemies to lovers. Because she is trying. She wants him dead. That's it mm-hmm. for me. But I love enemies to lovers, and then whenever there's like also sexual tension, I'm like hell yeah. Whenever they're like I hate you, me. What is it? Enemies with benefits. Yeah. That's fun too. <laughs> all right, so another one I have. The guy is the dramatic one because we all know Reese is hella dramatic. There for the dramatic. He he had to change clothes. <laughs> he has to keep up an appearance. Like I think he is so in his head about like his different modes yeah that like it could be a problem yeah or <laughs> favorite later on it's like we've talked about this you don't need a costume you change need that anymore it's okay you don't need a costume change to go talk to people <laughs> he's like it literally takes two seconds Sarah. and he like winnows oh. and he's like he always has a line he has to say like he you think he rehearses them in the mirror yeah and then Cassie and Azrael are just like staying in the doorway and he doesn't know. Hype men. <laughs> like, Cassie's like, oh, I'm shaking in my boots right now. Terrifying. Oh, Azrael's the funniest one. Yeah. It's canon. Like, you don't hear him. He doesn't talk much, but when he does, it's hilarious. That's all I got for now. As far as tropes? As far as tropes I could think of off the top of my head right before we started, yes. The guy falling in love first versus the girl. I don't know if we're far enough for that one, but yeah, we can mention it. Yeah, we can say, well, you can tell from now. Guy falls first. Guy falls first in this one. I love that. That's, I, yeah. that's one of my tops. Yeah. I think it's so cute. I love it whenever it's a book that isn't dual perspective. Like, I mean, it's a big thing in like the romance genre that I read. People love Jules' perspective because they get to see the guy's point of view and see how in love he is yes. with her. Yeah. Which I'm just like, yes, that's so much fun. But it's also fun whenever you're just in the girl's head and she's just like, ah, oh, he does this and this and this. He looks at me this way because he hates me, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, girl, he is obsessed with you. Ew. But I read it and I'm like, this is me right now. Like, this yeah. is exactly how my brain will work. Where you're like, I met my said this thing. Well, I mean, I met my boyfriend on a dating app. I had no idea he was interested in me. On a dating, <laughs> dating app. Well, he does not flirt like mm-hmm. at all. We talked about food and travel, and then out of the blue, one day he was like, "Hey, do you want to go get some dinner?" I was like, "He likes me. He really likes me." So I've been talking to you for months. <laughs> yeah, it's been about 
it'd been about a month of us talking. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you want to go get some dinner? This is the first book we read for the podcast that's fully female perspective, isn't it? Uh, no. This is not fully female perspective. Yes, it is. No, it's not. No, I mean, it's the first book that we've read where there's... It's female perspective. There is one itty-bitty part okay, that yeah. is not. Yeah. But yes, yes, I will say it is. Because we had... Edward. We kept on reading male perspective. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and then we had, a, like, what, Grace and Isabel in the Shiver, Shiver series. series. Then we had Ethan. It's the last chapter that is not in Vera's perspective. I think there's some in A Court of Wings and Ruin, too, isn't there? Yeah, 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 yeah. Can't get into it right now, but yeah, there is. So we discussed that Akoshara was based off Beauty and the Beast. Uh, a Court of Mist and Fury is based off Hades and Persephone, which is cool. I like that story. What we didn't know. <laughs> we can't get into that much yet. We can't. But like, me and Caitlin are idiots because <laughs> we were like, Caitlin was like, uh, apparently A Court of Wings and Ruin is based, loosely based off of Snow White. And I was like, uh-uh, no way. And I read all the reasons mentioned. And we, were was, like, we were like, we were like, oh. I haven't read A, a Court of Wings and Ruin in a hot minute, like almost two years now. So understandably. I mean, I have no excuse. I read it in like But it's not as March. obvious with freaking Avatar where you're like, oh, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. Or Akamath, where you're like, oh, he's taking her to this dark, dark place. He literally for Persephone. <laughs> he literally says the Queen of Spring or something. Yeah, and I'm yeah, the Prince yeah. of Darkness. And she's like, really on the nose, Reese. Thanks. I feel like by the time SJM got to Akawar, she was just writing the story and the whole fairy tale retelling. She was like, I guess I'll pop a few things in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, it makes sense now. I wonder what Silver Flames is. Do we know? It's gotta. I don't know. I'm gonna look that up too. I got a lot to do. I guess that means we're done for the day. Okay, I think that wraps it up. We are going to the end where we can't talk about it in the next episode. So no. I'll talk about it. <laughs> we're gonna finish up the last part of this, or the last of the second part of the book, and we're gonna get into the third part. A lot is about to happen. <laughs> it's about to f***ing flip a switch. are coming out. So, yeah. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll see you next time. Follow us on Instagram. At Let's Call It Nothing Pod. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.